Salud, aquí estás, and welcome to 18, the new Staco podcast, where we promise to be short, we promise to be succinct, and we promise to be substantial. Um, the promise was that we were going to do these podcasts in 18 minutes, but this time we went long. And I'll tell you why. There's a very good reason for this. Um, this is a podcast that's been a long time in the making. Uh, we started talking about this podcast about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than a year ago, but still it was many, many months ago when I first found out that uh, filmmaker, documentary uh, filmmaker Hector Galan was going to be doing a documentary about Willie Velasquez. And uh, since I heard that, I was uh, wanting to do a podcast with him. Uh, but it's been a matter of our schedules not coinciding. He, he's been traveling a lot while he was producing this this movie, while he was uh, writing it and, and filming it and, and uh, putting it together. Um, and then um, lately he got a case of laryngitis, so that kind of pushed it off even more. Well, the big premiere of the PBS documentary, Willie Velasquez, Su Voto Es Su Voz, is going to be today on Monday. Today is Monday, October 3rd. So over the weekend, uh, I had a conversation with uh, with Hector, and I said, you know, we got to do this podcast. And he goes, well, you know, I still have a little bit of laryngitis. I don't sound like myself. I said, you know, we'll see what we can do. So um, we uh, got together on the phone, and we recorded this podcast. And I think it's very, very timely because uh, it comes at a time when the Latino vote is ex exerting its muscle when uh, uh, we need a perspective of history of Latino civil rights and, and the fight for, for the Latino vote. And it's, it's a good story to tell about Willie because it comes with a lot of perspective and a lot of context. And that's one of the good things that, uh, that uh, Hector does with his film is that he, he puts it in, in, in historical perspective and, and talks not only about Willie and Southwest Voter Registration Education Project, but also about the Latino vote in general and the struggles that have come before and, and, and the shoulders upon, upon who uh, Willie stood and uh, the people that he collaborated with. It's a fascinating story. It's a story for the times. And uh, with that, here is my interview with uh, my conversation with uh, a fascinating master filmmaker, Hector Galán. So Hector, the last time you and I spoke was in San Antonio at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center at the screening of your new movie, uh, Willie Velasquez. Your voice is your your vote is your voice. Is that right? That's correct. That was great. Great evening. I really enjoyed it. You know what? And it was it was so symbolic that the movie be screened there for many reasons. Uh, and and I'll, I'll let you talk about a little, a little bit about how Willie was involved with the Guadalupe. But I do remember that the very first office that Willie had was right across the street on Guadalupe Street, across the street from the from the theater where this movie was being screened. I know. It was, you know, serendipity. Right. Because there was, and we were right there next door from where it all began. And it was, you know, a fairly modest little one-room office that he had because, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, it's pretty... And we included in the in the um, story in the documentary. He just had a table and a and a chair. That's it. <laughs> That's a, it. Was a folding table at that, right? <laughs> and, yes, it was like a card table. Yeah, and a you know rotary phone. That's right. You know you have to you have to look real hard these days, Richard, to find a phone book. I couldn't find one anywhere. The white pages. That's correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and the, you just, those things have become 
collector's items go. And that says so much about about what Willie did at the very beginning, right? Or, or what he, what he did throughout throughout his his time there at Southwest Voter and, and before was that those were the tools of the trade back then. I mean, so much came out of just going through the phone book, and and, and I think that's kind of like it, it illustrates the type of, of really grassroots work that went into into this visionary uh, work that Willie was doing with voter registration. Well, if you recall, uh, the phone books had names, right? So he'd go after all the Latino-sounding names. Yeah. And remember, the phone books had addresses. And so he, they, they would, he and a group of volunteers would actually go to the neighborhoods and to those addresses, knock on their doors and see if they were registered and register them. One after the other after the other. That is somehow so far removed from the reality that we see today with 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 apps and with celebrities and with all of this other stuff. Uh, the 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 real work what what, what I've learned uh, through the years because I, I I did some work for Southwest Voter Registration myself is is that the the real work of voter registration is personal. It's one on one. It's 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 knocking on doors and actually eyeballing people and asking them to register. That's right. But you know something very interesting too that you probably picked up on when when you were doing some of that work, is that the women were more effective because, I mean, if you can imagine, like, say, a big afternoon, some dude knocking on your door, uh, you know, you say, who's that? But the women, they were much more easier in the neighborhoods, yeah. you know, uh, at the end of the day. And he had a lot of women working. Women were very effective. Yeah, they are, and they've and, and they've got so much energy, especially for political causes. And I think that's one of the stories that that goes untold in in our community, and I think in in, in every community, because it's not just Latina women; it's women in general. Uh, but right. but I, but but I do know that that in in the Latino community, uh, women do make a lot of the political decisions. Even though we, you know the men like to say it's not true, but 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 the truth is that the women make the political decisions for the for for the families. And 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 tapping into that energy was one of the geniuses behind uh, one of the many genius ideas that that Willie had uh, back in the you know in, in the in the 80s. You know when, when it was the heyday of of the Southwest voter registration. Well, you know, doing them. Uh, early research and talking to people that worked with Willie. I met him. I did an interview with him in 1983. But I wasn't, say, a hangout buddy with him. Yeah. I did talk to people who were. And to, to, at first, he thought there was something wrong with Latinos. You know, why, you know, they, they weren't registered. Why, you know, the apathy. And then he started realizing when we started Looking at the research, there was everything that you can imagine put in our way, uh, from old tactics, which were expensive. Yeah, I think, I think today equivalent to almost what a dollar seventy-five for votes, and back then, you know, that, that's a lot of money. People, you know, they were working people, so that's a lot of money. Uh, literacy tests, gerrymandered districts. Intimidation. A lot of times, your boss will tell you, "If you're going to vote, you're going to vote this way. If you don't, you're out of a job." Yeah. You know, people people would do that. So there's no it's no wonder that that's it's a hard time because it's not just registering; it's getting people out to the actual to the actual ballot box. Yeah, there was so much you more know? going on behind the scenes, and and I know you and I have had this conversation many uh, many times about the the need for for this history to be told, and I'm so glad that that this 
that this specific documentary is finally being done after all these years. But t- tell me a little bit about the timing of it. I mean, why now? Why in October of 2016? You know, that's just an interesting question, right? Because people, we've been having screenings, you know, we've had screenings around the state. I had a screen in Chicago the other day. There's other people handling screens in California and Denver, different places. And at the screenings I've been at, they've asked that question, you know? And I don't know. It's, it's almost like it happened last year around August when I get a call from Lionel Sosa, who's a retired uh, advertising executive, who's on a committee that's uh, creating a statue for Willie that they're going to put in Bear County. Uh-huh. Uh, he asked me because he knows that I do documentaries. Well, you know, what would it take to do a documentary on Willie, you know? And it dawned on me. I had all that footage. And I said, you know, I have all this footage. Because back then, Latinos weren't necessarily capturing things on footage the way, say, uh, after the African-American movement, you know, when you had all those guys coming down from New York yeah, to, you know, uh, Freedom Summer and Summer and all Man, you got great, great footage. We didn't. Some of our pivotal moments in history, uh, there's very little footage. And, and what there is is very valuable. Um, so it just so happened that my wife, who's a, my producer, Evie, was talking with uh, the, the folks at Latino Public Broadcasting, and they just casually asked, what are you guys working on? And she mentioned that we're developing a witty story. Uh-huh. And they jumped on it. He said, well, we're looking for a story for, for the elections next year. I didn't think it was, you know, I wasn't really planning a time very that quick. But they jumped on it and gave us major funding. And then the Corporation of Public Broadcasting came in too. And then private donors started to come in. And there you go. And it, it just happened. Maybe it was meant to be because I told, I told the people that asked me that because I've been working on this project for 30 years. Because I interviewed really in 1983. Yeah. And I had all that footage. And uh, and with the climate out there, you know, because we wanted to do a show that was nonpartisan. We don't mention Hillary or, or Trump in the show. We know that it's the election season. And the reason why is because the message in it, we want that message to live beyond the election, to be shown in schools, universities, uh, but given the climate of this election, the timing could have been better, you know? And there's there's so much about this, uh, uh, the timing of it and the development of it, I think, that, that is so willy, and, and I'll explain to you why. Because you mentioned part of it right now. You said that you've been working on this for 30 years, and, and th- the moment that we're in right now was started 30 years ago uh, with the... With, uh, Willie and and and, right. and 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 other people. So what he started, that wave that he started, uh, is not culminating, but it's brought us to this point where this docu- documentary makes a lot of sense because so much 
attention is being uh, paid to the Latino vote and and uh, the power that Latinos hopefully have. They have potential. They have power and potential if they would only go out and vote, which, you know, it's kind of like a circle, right? Because then it brings us back to the whole idea of voter registration and voter participation, which was what, what, what Willie was talking about to begin with 30 years ago. So it, 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 it's kind of like a, it, it's a, not parenthetical, but, but it, it, it feeds, it, what's happening now feeds from what happened 30 years ago. And this documentary, I think, is timely for that specific reason. You know, it's really funny because with these, uh, these gatherings, it gives me a lot of hope because there's a lot of young people and they, they, they their attention is right on it because they want to learn about that history. And, you know, Willie is, is my contemporary, you know, he's a little older than I was, but still we're all part of the same generation that we participated in the Chicago movement, yeah. in the farm worker movement, in the streets protesting uh, because we're alienated and we, we wanted change and we wanted metal, you know, back then. Where well, Willie created, he and his colleagues created the Mexican-American youth organization, Milo, that became, you know, very large, large uh, activist uh, student organization in Texas and the Southwest. That's right. And we were angry and but it's interesting because he saw that part of the movement was becoming extremely um, uh, radical, as it was similar rhetoric, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, realized early on that the true power is not necessarily in the streets, protesting, but in your hands, voting. Yeah. And, and the way we were set up here in Texas, it's unbelievable, set up where we were never going to win until after, of course, Willie and, and they started uh, uh, filing lawsuits after the Voting Rights Act was amended in 1975. That's when it really started happening. And they went in, and a very good friend of mine, my Colin, my mentor, Elisabeth Feliz, was very close with Willie. And he would tell me about Willie. <laughs> When I was in Lubbock at Texas Tech, going to college, and he's the one that introduced me to to the Chicano movement and everything, and the rest of the party, and they called him El Tigre. They well, called Willie El Tigre? No, no, uh, my friend uh, uh, Eliseo. Eliseo was El Tigre, okay, I got it. Yeah, but he's very tight with Willie. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of those other, um, like like uh, Compian. Mario Compian, yeah. And, and 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 still Ignacio Nacho Perez and especially uh uh with Jose Gutierrez. These guys were like movers and shakers in the in the Chicano world. Uh, my friend and he still died about three years ago. I'm convinced from Agent Agent Orange exposure wow. in Vietnam. Uh but he was the first County Commissioner elected in, in Lava County, uh, Latino, and which was amazing. And that was all because of Southwest voter. You know, and, and that's that's what I enjoyed so much about this movie that you made because you know you're you're a master storyteller. But but uh, uh, the the thing is that okay, the title of the movie is Willie Velasquez. Your vote is your voice. But there is so much context in this film 
that it's not just about Willie. It's about everything that was happening around Willie. It's about the era. It's about the pressures. It's about so much uh, that paints a picture of what was going on uh, and what influenced Willie. And in doing that, I think it's a very good, to put it in, in, in very blunt terms, it's a very good history lesson that, that isn't being told. And I think that's part of the value of what you've done. You know, and I was mentioning that the young people uh, that have been watching at some of these screens have been amazed. Because one thing that really, and you're right, it's a much bigger history, but he's our guide uh, yeah. into this history. And, um, you know, uh, uh, he was afraid, really was afraid that the young people, people and the new generations were going to forget the struggle that our parents went through and our generation went through to get the boat yeah. and, and, and to utilize the boat. But I'm impressed when I see today that now that there's social media and a lot of activity in some of these get-out-the-boat youth organizations, uh-huh. that, you know, I like to see that. And I see more and more in this election young people engaged just by seeing, reading their posts, reading what they're talking about. And I think that there is hope because, you know, one of the big criticisms of us is that, I mean, we are huge. Like, we're 27 million eligible voters. Yeah. And, and if you look at studies uh, that, that are out there, it says that 13 to 18 million will actually make it. And I'm going, what's wrong with the 27? Yeah, where are the rest? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got, to, and I think documentaries like this hopefully will inspire uh, people, you know, to get out there. And also, the climate. I mean, when, when the whole people have denigrated and then talked about, and we're talking about walls being built. Mm-hmm. I mean, that should be enough to motivate anybody. I mean, it's fascinating, Victor, because almost, what, 900,000 Latinos turn 18 every year. You know, those are some fascinating numbers because you you were talking about it right now. There's 27 million eligible to vote. Only 13 million are going to vote. So where are the other 14, right? But but there's also this other number that says that of all the eligible Latino voters, 44% of them are millennials. So, so you kind of think, okay, where are those four? Where, where is that fourteen percent? Well, a big chunk of that fourteen percent that that we're hoping is gonna is gonna vote are, are people between eighteen and thirty-five Latinos in that age range. So, so right, yeah. So, what, what you're saying is, I think a lot of uh, rings true to me. Uh, that hopefully, stories like these, documentaries like these, will inspire people to to get up and vote because that's what it was all about. I hope so. I hope so, because. I mean, that 50, there's what, over 53 million of us in this country. Yeah. I think somebody was joking the other day and said, there's more Latinos in this country than there are Canadians in Canada. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I can imagine that. that way. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there's a lot of power that we have in our hands, but it's not, you know, if you'll say it goes, all politics are local, right? Yeah. One of the things that really... Uh, really pushed in here. Army of volunteers was organizing leaders and registering people in these forgotten places, you know, in these forgotten counties where you had a large group of Latinos with no representation. And I'm talking about school boards, uh, 
county commissioners, city uh, hall members, uh, um, those people that directly affect your everyday life. Like when he was a kid, really would always wonder, why does our street flood? Why does our neighborhood flood? Yeah. And nobody else does. Why? And those are very local issues. Very local. Exactly. So then we have, we have that to contend with. And we've done pretty good there. We've done really good now to, um, compared to, to the early days in the, in the 80s. I mean, we've had real great successes. But then the next step for Willie was, okay, we got Latinos in there. Are they, are they helping us? Or are they just there for themselves? And so accountability was a big thing for him, too. And he made a lot of enemies when he'd go after them. Saying, wait a minute, you know, we, we're going to put you there. What are you doing for us in return as a, as a representative? And so we had that, too. And then, of course, when he died, it was, it was you know, during the presidential uh, election period as well. That's right. Um, Michael Dukakis gave his, he was running for president, gave the eulogy for really, mm-hmm. uh, which was really incredible. Uh, but that was when he was starting, because remember, we were talking about phone books. Yeah. And computers started coming. And then all of this data. And who had the data? He did. That's right. He was the first one. He was a pioneer started, with political data. Yeah. Exactly. Even exit polling and things like that, he started to do. With like, he could tell you anything about Latinos. And people, both Republicans, Democrats started coming to him because they were very intrigued with the data on who we were, where we were, what do we want. And it's interesting because even today, once people realize what we want is no different than what they want. Yeah, We want their schools and we want job opportunities, you know. Exactly what they want. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that comes came through to me in in your documentary is that the Latino political movement is an American political movement in in every sense of the word. We're, what, what the Latino political movement is trying to do is it's trying to make the American politics, the American uh, democracy, effective for everybody. It's not radical. It's not trying to bring in something different. It's just trying to open the doors for everybody so that everybody has a a fair chance, which is the American ideal, right? Absolutely, and, and you know. That's why I always, I always say that I don't just like to preach to the choir. I mean, of course I love preaching to the choir, our people, but I have to make these works that are accessible to the American public yeah. so that everybody can learn from it of who we are. We're not this strange group of people that needs to be deported. You know, yeah, like yeah. a rapist. You know, it's just regular folk. Hardworking folks. It's a very American story. And, uh, exactly, and that's what I try. To, I try to bring across when you say it's a good historical story as well, which it is. And I think it's time. You know, the only reason I think. Uh, by the way, I have a little allergies right now. I normally, don't talk like an opera singer, but um, <laughs> if you can excuse me for that. But uh, uh, people were saying, "How come we never heard about Willie?" Yeah. Well, a lot of us from, of course, my generation and his generation knew who he was. But he was being forgotten 
in the pages of history because he died so young. He was in, he was entering the national arena big time right about the time that he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, time moves on. So I'm real happy that I was able to bring his story to life today. And, and I think people will learn from him. And, you know, three years later, he got the, um, he was posthumously awarded the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. That's right. That's right. And, and his, uh, his, his, his wife, uh, uh, Jane, was the one who went up to receive it in his, in his stead. That's right. And so I think, man, he's a, he was an inspiration. And if he were to be alive today, I'm sure he would be one of our, our leaders and probably be in politics himself. Yeah. And you know what? There's the two, two questions that, that I, that I want to touch on before we finish this conversation. And one of them is um, we talk a lot about what, what his vision was and what he did. Um, but I, I, I knew Willie and, and I only say this on a professional way because I was a young reporter, channel 41 in San Antonio uh, back in the eighties. And uh, we would interview Willie almost on a weekly basis and I would volunteer to go over there. So I knew him as a journalist. And one thing that always came across to me and, 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 and I'd like for you to tell me what, what you think about this is that Willie had a, a, an incredible charisma. And, and I think that that had a lot to do with his success as well. He was a very charismatic man. He was uh, very charismatic. He had his presence and the way he would speak. And I do strongly believe, you know, he, he considers, he considered himself a common person. Yeah. I mean, and he didn't have errors about him that he was better than anybody. He would just as much enjoy sitting at the Esquire bar, talking with, you know, a, a farm worker as he would with, Lee Atwater, who came to visit him yeah. at the Esquire But, you know, he was also highly intelligent. He was an Anglophile. Early on, when he was um, in college, he wanted to be a diplomat. That's right. So when, he was, when he was in Washington doing internships as a college student at the State Department, when he learned a lot about about Europe, he loved English history, he loved opera, he loved Aztec history. I mean, he was a intellectual, but somebody that was approachable, accessible, and very charismatic. You're right about that. Now, um, you brought something up right now that, that I'd like for you to, to maybe expand upon uh, a little bit, and that is uh, that perennial question, right? Everybody asks this question. You know, what, what would... What would what what would it be if Willie were to be alive today? If if Willie hadn't died so young, what do you think he would be doing these days? Well, I think right around the time that he was diagnosed with uh, kidney cancer, they were already wooing in the the caucus campaign because you know they knew something was up with Latino voters, and that was the caucus needed that block of votes. And they, and they were so impressed with Willie because he had already met Dukakis and some of his staff when he taught uh, one semester as a visiting uh, uh, lecturer at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And that's how they initially met. So they, they, during the campaign, they turned around 
and he was actually being wooed to be a, camp, a deputy campaign manager for the caucus, and he was considering it. He really was. That would have been probably his first job, a real job, outside of the nonprofit world. That would have been very where good. Where he actually a salary. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that would have been, I think, his entry into the actual political spectrum, the political world. It probably would have launched him into a different level of politics. Exactly. And I had talked to his friends, some of his friends, and they were trying to encourage him early, early on to run for office. He wouldn't. He thought his job wasn't done yet. Hmm. Uh, with Southwest. And he never imagined Southwest Florida to be around this long. He imagined that, you know, 10, 15 years, once it did it, what it needed to do, it would, it would morph into something else. But he started to get international as well. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. He was doing work in, in, in what was it, Central America? Yeah, in Nicaragua. Uh-huh. You know, with, uh, with Carter? Yeah. President Carter, they were monitoring elections down there in El Salvador, Nicaragua. They were, they were doing, he was doing that too. Such a such a, a vast story to be told, and I think you told it uh, as 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 better than than I think anybody would have expected because it's a it's a it's a huge story, and to condense that story into what was it ninety minutes? No, my friend, it was fifty two minutes. Fifty two minutes. Yeah. You, you, that wow. Was a okay. That was a real challenge. Yeah, because I remember early on when, when this was first an idea, you you and I had conversations about about your work and, and, and doing this documentary, and, and you would, you would mention early on that, that it was probably going to be about 90 minutes, but I know how things are in the media. You know, That's time right. is one of the negotiables. Believe me, there was some things that I cut out, some of the anecdotal information that was just fabulous that wound up on the editing room floor. However, wow. the saving grace, is that once people see this and they want to know more and see more, they can go to the companion website at pbs.org slash voices, V-O-C-E-S. It's part of a voices special on PBS, which is a signature series on Latino programming for specials. You know what, and I'm glad you brought this up because there was something that was mentioned during the after conversation, or it might have been before the the, the pre uh, uh, the screening, that uh, PBS and the Latino Broadcasting Company are going to be watching to see how many people view it, but also how many people stream this. And I think there's a period of seven days after the Monday, after the screening, after the airing on Monday, that that the number of people that stream this documentary is going to be counted. That's right, and that's. Hopefully, people listening to your podcast, uh, the news cycle subscribers, will stream it, will go watch it for free on PBS.org. And I know there's, there's a whole lot of, including Southwest voter uh, mailing lists and so forth, people organizing to stream it because once they see that there's interest in Latino programming, that only helps to tell future stories, you know, on, on our history. You know, for other producers. Exactly. And I think that's the main point, right? That that uh, this time, for this documentary, when you watch it, when you screen it on your computer, you're actually helping other storytellers to be able to be to tell Latino stories on places like PBS and, and, and Latino right. Broadcasting. And it's one of the very few places today, PBS, where you could really see our true stories, uh, non-commercial, 
you, you really don't see our stories on any other of the vast universe of, uh, not talking about English, of course, we have Spanish language media, but a lot of us Latinos, you know, I'm sixth generation, but you have a second, third generation. We prefer English language programming that speaks to us as Latinos uh, to be represented on both movies and television. And, and this is... This is a chance for, for uh, the viewing audience, the Latino viewing audience in, in the United States. This is their chance to, to make a difference. Watch this online. Uh, and, it, and it's again, I have to repeat this. It's the first seven days after, after uh, PBS airs this documentary that they're going to be counting how many people are watching. And based on that, they're going to see if there's interest or not. So it's really important. And, and, and it's an opportunity for people to, to actually do something uh, exactly. that, that's going to matter. That's going to exactly. matter. It's all nationwide. The broadcast is at 9.30. And that was, we really struggled with that 9.30 time slot. It's on this coming Monday, on the 3rd of October, 9.30. But we have an extraordinary lead-in into the show. It's uh, Gore Vidal and uh, uh, William Buckley debate, which, as you know, were famous enemies. Yeah, that was classic. Uh, classic, totally. And so we were hoping that that be an audience, which should be the for any, you know, uh, if anybody interested in politics, it's a good lead-in to our story, you know? And so, you know, we're hoping to get a lot of viewers, and hoping to get a lot of people streaming it, showing it. To and family. what is, what is, what is your hope, what is uh, your vision for, for a takeaway from people to watch this when you were putting this thing together? Uh, what is it that you had in mind that people would walk away with it from? Walk well, away from it with. As I mentioned earlier, to know who we are. Because as far as a lot of folks, especially millennials, uh, they're saying, you know, like I mentioned, the sixth generation, I don't know, and I don't sit around thinking about immigration every day, you know? Yeah. However, when, it, it, when people do, and the way they look upon Latinos out there, it affects me. It affects all of us, you know, because of racial profiling, because of the way we're looked at as Latinos. We're all in it together. And I want the takeaway is people to know who we are, that we're no different than they are, that we believe in the American dream like everybody else. We want to, you know, have, have a better life and to achieve. That's what I want take away the beat and given the election period that people should only make a better world out there. You know, they get there and vote. That's where it all starts, right? It all starts with the vote. Exactly. Well, Hector, uh, I know I promised that, that I wouldn't uh, that I wouldn't put too much strain on your voice. So uh, I want to thank you for, for your time. Thank you for making this film, uh, and 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 you know, thank you for your, for your friendship through through the, the the last few years. And and uh, and I know I was like a fly on the wall while you were putting this this documentary together. I was just kind of listening to you tell me uh, sometimes when we spoke about how it was coming along, and, and I'm glad it finally happened, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk. Well, thank you, Victor. Thank you. Thank you everything you're doing to spread the word. All right. Hasta luego. Gracias. Hasta luego.
So there are a couple of important things to remember about this documentary and specifically about what you can do to have an impact on not only this documentary, but about Latino-themed programming, specifically on PBS. Because uh, after the, pro the program uh, airs tonight on PBS at 9.30 Eastern Time, there will be seven days in which PBS, the folks at PBS will be watching the number of streams uh, the times that people stream the documentary to watch on their laptops, their desktops, their phones, their tablets. And that's going to make a difference because depending on what they see, on what they gauge on those seven days, that's going to help them determine uh, the, the need uh, for uh, Latino-themed programming on PBS. So this is one of those occasions that when you watch TV, it's actually going to have a palpable effect. It's actually going to mean something because people are going to be watching and they're going to be you know, trying to gauge uh, the, the interest in Latino programming. So make sure for the next seven days, make sure to go to PBS, make sure to stream it uh, as many times as you can. Tell your friends to do it because it's going to matter and it's going to matter in terms of how much more uh, Latino programming we see on public television. Anyway, with that, uh, that's our uh, podcast for, for now. Uh, thank you very much, and I, I want to thank Hector Galan for being so gracious to speak with us, and we will catch you next time. Gracias. Gracias.